0: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life
1: worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host Tim Piccararo and
0: Megan
2: Finnan. Are you ready to be inspired?
0: Well, hello and hola. Welcome <laughs> to you. Welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host Tim,
1: and I'm Megan.
0: Megan. (laughs) And we are glad you could join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs, even on a notebook, like eliminate, write them down, get out. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. Megonian, What's going on?
1: Not much. This is pretty exciting. This is episode... Fifty,
0: hence my joy.
1: Five O. Oh. Five
0: O. Oh. And I'm not turning fifty.
1: <laughs> no, you're not turning. 50. So don't try to
0: turn it just like. You I'm have being a few
1: more years. Before few more.
0: That. Few. Several. <laughs> Which no, one is it? A few. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what is it? Is it like? Is no, a few two? So a
1: couple is two. A few two is, is, three is three or three, four. four. Several is like five or more.
0: Oh, so you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's corrected. <laughs> fixed. Good. Fixed. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, 50. We're like, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. One year.
1: One year. To- and this podcast is pretty cool because there's a lot of other great stuff that's come out of it. Like,. Like Uphill Strategies, which we started at the end of last year, beginning of this year, doing leadership and team development. Um, UCYP, our new Young Professionals podcast, which we have six episodes live now. So check that out if you haven't. But a lot of great stuff has come out of this.
0: No, this has been awesome. I mean, we've like – and the cool part is that, I mean, even, you know, with Uphill Strategies, just we have been like so – it's been an honor to like work with the people that we've been able to work with mm-hmm. in the company, just, you know, from an entrepreneurial level all the way up to the entrepreneur that has been entrepreneur that's built this big,
1: mm-hmm. big
0: organization. So yeah. it's been cool. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. And you're you're kind of cool.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I gave you like uh, like you get nine cool points. Only nine out of ten.
1: I want 11,
0: <laughs> but I'll take okay. nine. I'll settle You'll for take nine. nine. Okay, so now that's seven <laughs> because, you know, most men exaggerate like <gasps> numbers. So if I said nine, that's probably seven.
1: Huh, that's interesting. So the cool <laughs> thing about um, episode 50 is we have a really awesome guest. So I think that he's definitely worthy of 50. Um, it's Ryan Hawk. He um, hosts the Learning Leader Show. He's had over 200 episodes with um, really phenomenal people from Ryan Holiday to Amy Joe Martin. Um, I Jim think,
0: Collins. Good to great. Yeah. He's like, going to have
1: Jim Collins coming up. Yeah. So really, really awesome. But before we jump into the show, I have a question for Tim. Okay. Okay. So.
0: This, uh, this has to be a good question because it is. I feel personally the questions <laughs> that I've asked have, like, if there was, like, a ratio, I would say four to one. I've worked harder to find good questions.
1: That's not true. Okay. Is so, that a, Tim. That's a fake fact. Yeah, that's a Tim fact. Um, so, which of the following two senses would you give up if you had to choose one? What? A sense? Yeah, A sense so would you rather lose your sight or your hearing
0: i'd give up the sight like flat out i figured yeah i just no i could <laughs> not lose the hearing i'd have to hear everything and i could still feel right i get feeling i get yes. smell right smell i get that yep taste
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah sight's gone <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gone. Don't need that, right? No. Out the well, dark.
0: you could just because you know it's it's an interesting fact. Remember, I think we talked about this that even a person like in a dark room, mm-hmm. it's like a natural thing, instinctual for human beings to put their hands out when right. they're in complete darkness, right? Right. So you you still like so I feel like if I had to give that up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right, and if it was like. Well, first of all, who would give that up? Like No, it's
1: no, you're going to lose one. You just have oh, to show Oh, I'm choose. gonna lose it. Yeah, Why? you're gonna because lose one. Just what? you are.
0: Is this like a getting older joke? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. So wait. And you chose site an and hearing. There is a <laughs> complete under okay. We're gonna move we're gonna move <laughs> past this, but I would definitely give up the site.
1: Yeah. Just a couple more years until fifty for you, Tim. Thank um. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so um yeah. As I already mentioned, we're just pumped to share this episode with you. Um, Ryan Hawk, incredible leader. He's done um, just a really, uh, a lot of cool things in his personal and professional life, as well as with his podcast. So um, we hope that you will enjoy it.
0: So without any further delay, let's jump into this interview with Mr. Ryan Hawk. Welcome to Uphill Conversations, Ryan Hawk. How are you doing these days?
2: I'm good. Thank you guys uh, for having me.
0: Cool. So, uh, any new adventures in your world? Anything new? Something like, something just like new, like where you haven't told anybody yet. How about that? (laughs) Something you haven't even said, like this is new and it's good.
2: Some of the recent podcast episodes I've uh, just uh, recorded are are really exciting for me. So that's new. Uh, it's not out yet. Uh, a couple, couple people in different arenas. I had one with Jim Collins from the Good to Great fame, one of the first books I ever read it, in the business realm, which was a pretty surreal moment to get to speak with him, one of my literary heroes. And then I also had a uh one with J.J. Redick. I'm a huge uh, – oh, yeah. uh, I'm a basketball fan, and he played at Duke and now uh, played for the, um, the Clippers and now decided to deal with the 76ers. And so and he's really thoughtful guy, though, super smart and interesting. And we had a great talk, very little bit about, about basketball, but uh, those are two, two recent conversations I had that have, have been super exciting for me
0: isn't that really cool man like when you get with someone that's in you know especially like in a sport or something that you know they're known for a certain thing but when you can just when they're willing to just open up about a bunch of other stuff, you know what I mean like they're just they want to open up you know I think a lot of people think that they just want only want to talk about the thing they do you know whether it's a race car driver musician whatever they are but when you can talk with someone like that especially JJ in and then in his world, but just to kind of get to what makes them tick. Isn't that pretty cool?
2: It is. It's 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 a neat aspect of doing this where you can, you know, as the host, you get to steer the car a little bit. And uh, that's the part I really enjoy is obviously preparing for great conversations, um, not necessarily scripting questions, but having notes and thoughts based on the their work and and what you like about their work and their story and then asking them good questions being a great listener and asking even better follow-up questions based on what they tell you and that's what I think makes up really solid um podcast episodes and just conversations in general. And that's great
0: because one of the things that Megan and I both experienced in listening to your podcast but man with Ryan Holiday man I loved your flow and I guess um you know it would be really cool to hear a little bit about, you know, you know, you have early days, you you started somewhere obviously, but man, you really just moved through that with Ryan and Ryan is a, you know, I mean, everyone that I've listened to that you've interviewed, they're sharp individuals. They're really good, but you just even made it with Ryan. You know, it just felt like the two of you had been friends for 10 years. Um, You know, how did you get, how did you get to that point of just getting so comfortable and even being relational with people that you may or may not have had a lot of interaction with.
2: So in his case um, with Ryan Holiday, who is a certainly a a thoughtful and thought provoking person, thinker, writer, he's, he's not quiet about that. Uh, Supremely intelligent. That was the third time. uh, The most recent one I assume you're talking about was the third time I've recorded with him. I've also uh, had a few meals with Ryan and his wife in person. Um, So I think it helps because you develop uh, more of a friendship than more of a QA. If you listen to that, I believe from when I released that one, I didn't really have a formal beginning. We just – the second he picked up on Skype, uh, it was recording, and we just went straight through. There wasn't a, a set, a set uh, start time, which usually there is actually. And so in his case, though, we've developed some rapport over the last few years, been able to hang out in person at some events – and develop, I, th- I think, a, a pretty neat friendship. Uh, he's a guy I, I certainly am, am fortunate to be able to go to if I have questions when it comes to content and writing, putting together a book, things like that. He's a he's a master at it. And uh, so that's probably why it sounded like it flowed so well. I like to think that as I've grown in this journey from, from doing the Learning Leader Show, my podcast, that I've just improved. I mean, just like anything else, if you uh, approach it with a curious mindset, if you continuously get the reps, the repetition um, of doing it over and over and over, I think, hopefully, if you're studying yourself and you're self-correcting and you're getting some help, maybe from some others who you trust, that you'll improve. Um, and I I like to think if you if you looked at episode number one versus episode number two hundred fifteen, that there would be a pr- pretty dramatic difference. I still still hopeful that you'd like number one, but. <laughs> I think 215 is much better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I I know for me, I listened to the most recent one with Ryan, and then I also went back and listened to the other one. So it was, it was neat to listen to the more recent one first, and then hear, you know, how the relationship has come along listening to um, the second one uh, after that. But I'm just really curious as someone who I've always been really drawn to leadership. I find that uh, even in the things that I did in school and the things I've done professionally, I've always sort of gravitated toward just the the whole experience of leadership and the world of leadership. And it obviously comes through so clearly in the discussions that you have with people and in all the great areas that you're delving into that you you have a fascination with leadership and the different approaches and styles that that are all wound up in that. So, I would just love to know what what drew you to leadership as a topic and, you know, I know that you have another full-time profession outside of your podcast, but how how has the podcast come alongside and helped you even continue on in your professional career?
2: Leadership is pretty fascinating. It's a, it's a. Um, as Seth Godin told me it's a choice, and uh, it's much easier to choose not to lead. Um, leadership comes with immense responsibility of serving others and helping them be successful. And my success can only follow the success of the people that I, I lead. And so uh, that's the approach I've, I've taken to it. Um, I think as I've matured and grown up, I, I played the position of quarterback, uh, playing football my entire life, uh, since I was in the second grade, and and through college and a little bit after college. And so, as a quarterback, your the coaching staff and your teammates look to you to be a leader. I've always been on the scale of introversion to extroversion, uh, more uh, closer to the to the introversion line. And so, I've had to um in some cases jump outside of my comfort zone to speak up to say more um and and so it started probably from playing football and being a quarterback and then from there it progressed into the business world of i, I had a great mentor tell me um when i started as a an inside sales rep that was my first ever job and he said hey take a have a notebook and take notes on your manager um and and his manager and write down everything you like and everything you don't, and remember it as you progress in your career, and and so that you 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 don't forget what it's like um, to be an individual contributor, so that you can you can remember the, the to, to to do the things that you've really liked about your leader, your manager, and to not do the things that you don't. And unfortunately, that notebook I would say probably had a lot um, a lot more negatives than positives, and so that sets you out on this journey to learn why, uh, how can I, how can I be even better when I'm in a leadership role? And so I thought one way to do that would be to, um, you know, reach out to the greatest, most, uh, inspiring and empowering leaders in the world and and ask to speak with them and then record it and deliver it and put it out as a podcast. And potentially not only would it help me as I could implement and execute on what I was learning, but maybe it could help other people too. And, that's uh, what's happened over the last few years with with the Learning Leader Show, and um, that's why I think I love it so much. And it's a part of my. You know, there's a great exercise called a Best Day Ever, your BDE, which your mm-hmm. Best Day Ever. And if I was m- writing up my Best Day Ever, one hour of those twenty four would be spent doing this, um, having a, an interesting conversation with the thoughtful leader and learning directly from them with, with, with the, um, the hopes that it could positively impact other people. And I I love that it it does that uh, currently.
1: And with, with what you're saying there and just having a positive impact on others, I think that that, well, I know that that really comes through in everything that you're doing on the podcast, what you're doing on your blog, um, and I'm sure that it comes through in in your professional life. But if we want to look a little bit deeper on that whole conversation about serving others and servant leadership, I know that you you take sort of a, a, a you make a picture of that where you take an org chart and you turn it upside down, and when you do that, what you realize is that as a leader, it's really your job to be working for the people who are on your team. And one thing that Tim and I talk about a lot when we go into companies is this whole idea that in order to work with others and to serve others, you have to develop trust. And you really have to be in a place where you can have collaboration, but true collaboration is an admission of weakness. So if you are working to serve others but you're also working to lead them along that same path. And you have to, in some ways, draw back that curtain and be transparent and show, I need you. But how do you do that without, with still remaining strong and still being able for them to look to you as a resource, but also on the other side of the scale, allow yourself to be vulnerable so that you can truly collaborate and do wonderful things with that team?
2: So I, I think I make the choice to lead with trust um, for the people that I serve. So, for example, um, you'll often hear leaders say, "You have to earn my trust," and my approach is actually completely opposite. Uh, you, you, if 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 we work together, I will lead with trusting you. Now, if you break it, obviously it, it's it's bad, and and we we might have to. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. It's probably not a good uh, follow-up. However. If I lead with trust, uh, I'm a trusting person. First of all, I think this is a better way to live life. It's not cynical. It's expecting uh, good things from people. I expect others to be good. And some would say that that's Pollyanna and you could get burned. And I, pr- I probably have from time to time. But I found it to be a much more enjoyable way to live is if I lead with, with trusting other people, with empowering them to do their work and then, then to work alongside them. I think insecure leaders are worried about constantly, uh, having the answer. I mean, I, I like to say that I, I'm always going to have questions and somehow through me being curious and asking questions, maybe it'll help you figure out the answer if I'm coaching you. And that's what I try to do with the people that I serve and lead. And as you said, flip that org chart upside down is that maybe if we talk it out and I, uh, continually ask questions that I think naturally come up, we will t- together figure it out, or maybe you'll figure it out. And it's much better if you figure out the answer than if I tell you the answer. Um, I don't need to tell you. If I tell you the answer, you you might not um, you you're, you might not be as bought into it. But if you figured it out, well, you're going to be much more bought into your own answer than mine. And that's just uh, human nature. And so I, I like to take that approach. It takes probably more time um but i found it, uh, it you should you know always think of uh, playing the long game that if you do it that way i think the long term results typically end up better
1: and i really like that whole idea of leading with trust and starting there rather than it being earned and you you mentioned that you you may have been burned with that along the way do you have any examples you could share with our listeners where maybe you did get burned or you made something that maybe seemed like a misstep at the time and you know how you carry that forward and what you learned through that experience.
2: Sure. I mean, I think as a, as a less experienced sales manager and roles that I've had, you lead with trust and you expect people to do the right things and, and they, they cheat or they don't. Um, and it costs the company money. It costs the company production and then you have to fire the person. Um, I've been burned. It's happened more than once. And so uh, I still like the overall net of what we've gained by leading with trust, even though there's been a few rough moments. But I, I, I don't let those couple uh, bad apples ruin it for all of the great people that I've been fortunate to serve and to work with. So it doesn't change my mind. I notice that as people progress sometimes in their career, especially if they work at big companies, that they can become cynical or vanilla and not really do anything because, oh, it's just too much work or, oh, there's too too much bureaucracy or there's there's too many hoops to jump through in order to do this or to do that. And I hope to never become, um, uh, I hope to never have that mindset. I think that's pretty unhealthy, but I get it. I've seen the challenges and the problems that, people who are uh, tenured within companies have to go through. So I understand how that happens. I'm just actively trying really hard for it not to happen to me and also the people that I work with.
0: A lot of people, you know, everything is top down. You know, it's, you know, make it rain. You know, it's like we know that, you know, if rain hits my roof, it runs down my house. Right. But I think with leadership, though, it's different. I mean, I feel like the impact, the greatest impact is from the bottom up. You got to walk slowly through the people. You got to spend time with the people. And so with that in mind um, and, and with, with Megan and I, you know, with some of the I mean, we are fortunate to work with some very successful companies and even for some entrepreneurs that are just starting out. And, um, and but we noticed kind of the same thing. It's like people are afraid of that. What, what do you think is the contributor? Why do you think people are afraid to lead, you know, from within and lead through the organization and not just top down? Like, you know, do what I say. You know, here, I'm delegating this to you. Just take care of it. So w- what do you feel keeps them from doing that, number one? And number two, how do you help people to see that that is actually a better experience?
2: Liz Weissman is a, a great um... – leadership thinker, leadership mind writer. And and she had told me that it's, it's a good practice to think about if you notice somebody who, who's a diminisher and a leader that, uh, or they're in a, they're in a management role, but they're, they're not particularly a good leader. Um, try, try to think about, um, uh, what they've been through. Um, don't just assume negative things about that person. Maybe they, they've been surrounded by poor leadership their entire career and they just don't know any better. I I think that's why it's the norm. Unfortunately, it's harder to be great at something. Uh, If it wasn't, everybody would be great at everything. It's much harder. It takes more work. It takes more diligent work. It takes more time in that quadrant that is not urgent, but important work. Some of the deep work, as Cal Newport would say, is spending time there. And most people are very busy. They go from meeting to meeting to meeting, and they never stop and think. They don't have, uh, they don't create new and innovative ways to solve problems because it's hard. Uh, everyone wants your calendar, especially uh, for those who have, uh, who, who work at these big companies. I get it. I I I see it all the time, and so I understand how hard it is. People don't intentionally want to be bad. It just naturally slowly kind of happens. And if they're not super intentional about trying to change that, um, about blocking out that time, sometimes doing things that are not popular that, that, that can happen. And then as it happens, it just continually happens because nobody's changed the habit. And then the next leader sees what that boss did and they just do the same thing because that's all they really know. So that's how the cycle starts. It just takes a few people, I think, to change it. Uh, from within, and then it could really have lasting impact if you do.
0: And you know, earlier it was great how you, you know, obviously it's questions. You know, I would rather I'm I'm the same way, and and so is Megan. We both we believe in the powerful questions, but we also believe in the right powerful questions. Um, and they don't have to be perfect; they just need to be the correct question. Um, being clear and being specific, and. Um, I love the idea, and I'd love to dig a little deeper into it with you. Just around the idea of problems to solve, um, you've probably heard the same thing. It's been out there for a little bit, but you know, education in schools and what we see in you know the United States, especially, um, you give people answers to remember and not problems to solve. Um, how how much do you feel? Um, you know, giving people problems to solve. How have you seen in your experience and then even maybe in how you've coached people, um, does that accelerate? Does that improve by giving the problems to solve? Do you see a just a a, a, um, a greater momentum, a, um, an acceleration of, of um, advancing or impact from handing it over to folks with a good question but leaving that for them to solve and also you relieving that responsibility per se as you being the one to actually find the solution and bring it to everyone to execute. So how 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 are you seeing that as a impactful way of approaching a problem handing it to people to solve as well as what does that do for you as a leader to be able to say this is great so my leadership is really through me bringing the problem and letting my team do do the work.
2: Well, I think having that that question-based approach to your coaching, um, is aligned with what you're saying. And so as opposed to immediately thinking you have to have the answer, it's, it's, I think you have to have the questions. And so if you approach each conversation, each problem with a curious mindset of what are the right questions to ask, uh, you dig in and really, really be thoughtful around that topic. That seems to create lasting impact. because again, as I said a little bit earlier, um, I, I think as a coach, you want your your players, so to speak, to uh, you want to help put them in position to figure it out. And if they figure it out, then they'll hopefully be able to figure it out the next time without even speaking with you because ultimately, just like a parent, a coach is similar in the fact that you're 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 trying to raise your kids to to be great loving citizens without um your help anymore right that's what we try to do we we try to put them in positions to be successful without us being around because ultimately that's what's going to happen And i think a coach there's a lot of similarities that i want the players that i serve the people that i work with to be great when I'm not around because I'm not always going to be around or maybe you have a hundred people that you're leading and obviously you can't be there one-on-one with all of them at all times. You got to scale that a little bit. So I think that question-based approach can help do that.
0: Do you feel and and I love your answer because I totally agree and I mean that's that's you know, that's on point. What do you feel like, you know, I'm a sports guy love sports, you know, and you, I was a defensive back. I didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you were a quarterback. I didn't like you. So I was like, you know, because I'm sitting there having to read what you maybe, you know, do. And, and I was good. I was a shutdown type of corner. And I would jump from DB to corner. And sometimes I got to play in a little nickel spot. But, um, uh, but, you know, you drove me crazy. <laughs> it was like <laughs> quarterbacks, you know what I mean? Especially if they were good at it. Especially if they know how to look you away and do all that stuff. And you just hope the free safety and safety is, you know, they're doing their jobs. But anyways, that's a little tangent. But in the in the whole process of what coaches are considered today, like, you know, most people view coaches. Now, the English Premier League, it's interesting. If you watch soccer, I don't know if you ever watch soccer. But those guys hardly ever say anything on the sideline because the players play. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really, they give them the problem to solve. What they do is they set them up with formation, they work with shapes, and they understand there's certain set pieces and things that they're going to execute. But, you know, they're really not into, like, they're not, like, sitting there on the sidelines yelling and all this other stuff. They're just letting these guys play. But I feel like a lot of times, most people in their mind have a view of a coach that I don't think is exactly accurate. I think they think that the coach is the one that just sits there and just gives instruction and so how do you help companies or businesses or individuals even know that there is a time for the instruction? That's what the practice field is, right? Um, but then ultimately you've got to perform. And that's when I really am going to just be there to support you and speak into it. But I'm going to like kind of remove myself. How do you help people, you know, to to distinguish between what is good coaching, not good coaching, and then also when the coach is necessary and when the coach is not necessary?
2: Well, <clears throat> It's, I think that's tough because um, some coaches feel the need to always talk uh, or have their voice heard because they feel like that's what a coach is supposed to do. Uh, I've, from my personal experience, the best coaches I've had have done a great job of helping me prepare for the big moments, prepare for the games, and then uh, we we repetitioned it to death. So we we just rep after rap after rap. And I think that's that's in line with doing these interviews and podcasting. Is the more reps, the better you get. And because I probably learned that from the football field. So it's being comfortable enough in yourself to be quiet sometimes, because you know you, you don't you don't. I kind of a uh, especially in high school and college. There's no radio that that the coach can talk to the quarterback. Uh, through this helmet, yeah. <laughs> that happens that in NFL. So you have to be prepare your guy to do it without you. And the right. same thing in business, you have to. As I said, it's hard to scale if you, especially if you're leading a lot of people and you're managing a lot of people on that organizational chart that you're serving. Um, so you, you I think you can. Uh, Tom Peters talks a lot about uh, training and the importance of training your people. I think that's when you can really be dynamic as a, a coach. Uh, you put you put your people in training situations. If it's in the profession of selling, then maybe you're doing mock sales calls and you are the coach. And so you go through it, you do the role plays, and then afterwards you you give them the direct feedback and then you do it again. And they, they do it with the feedback and do it again. And then you do it again. And eventually it just becomes a part of their regular practice. And, but, but once it comes, becomes live, you're not going to be able to be there every day. So that's why you have to help them prepare and practice. And the best coaches I've always had made practice much harder than the games. So when the game time came around, I was more than prepared, more than ready to go. I've also had coaches who weren't as good and I didn't feel as prepared and as ready to go for a game. So there's a lot of translation when it comes to the business world of training, of getting your people ready to go. Um, that's what I try to do, but it's, it's like most things that, uh, uh, are, are, if they're really successful, it takes a lot of work and repetition and preparation.
1: And I think. No matter what the situation is, you can you can do all the right things and prepare people for any number of obstacles or any number of situations. But you're always going to be faced with those unexpected challenges and um, and you're always going to come upon roadblocks. So when you get into that type of a spot. How do you as a leader work with your team to overcome that rather than them just, you know, coming back, overcome that using what they have within themselves and what you've trained them to do rather than them coming to you and saying, tell us what to do?
2: Well, part of that is in the hiring process, um, of trying to, uh, understand the the level of adversity that people have gone through and the grit that they've developed through their, their, their life. Um, I think that's where a lot of this starts. Um, you want to, you want to hire people who I think can handle adverse situations, can adapt to situations who aren't going to fall apart the first time something bad happens because it inevitably will and always does. So that's where it starts. Um, but then, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about stoicism. You brought, you talked about Ryan holiday. I mean, you guys know about the obstacle is the way and understanding yeah. that, that adversities, uh, that adversity can, can be, uh, incredible moments, uh, incredible opportunities for us to, to make a difference. And, uh, everyone's going to face adversity. It's, it's how you decide to respond to whatever it may be. Um, and, and to be thoughtful about those moments and think of them as opportunities, I think is um, important to say, uh, I try to do that with my wife all the time. If something uh, negative happens to either of us, we try to sit down and talk to each other about, well, w- think about what's going to happen or how we're going to be once we uh, make it through this. And the, and the grit that's going to be built up through this adverse situation and do the same thing when you're coaching a team is to say think about this as an inflection point in your life in the moment uh, here right now and how it's going to build up you as a potential future leader when we figure out a way to handle this obstacle. Um, So I think it's kind of a mindset shift towards how you think about a potential obstacle as opposed to just being... Uh, you know, have it cripple you, and 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 have you not take any sort of action.
1: Mm-hmm. And as you're building a team, and you're putting those people together, you obviously as a leader, you wanna you wanna get the highest performers, the best people on your team possible. And part of your job as a leader is to coach every one of those individuals to work together as a team, but also that idea of, you know, being able to lead from where they are and lead within their own right. But I think a lot of times those high performers, and, and this is something I, I've heard you talk about in, in your podcast as well, there is this struggle to celebrate um, the wins and it's 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 that whole thing about never never being satisfied so you work really hard to accomplish a goal you're doing really well but then you know you do that and and you're on to the next thing and on to the next challenge so how how do you, how do you work through those things? So, you know, do you find yourself feeling this way of, of not being satisfied and, and struggling to celebrate? And when you do run into that, or when one of your team members runs into that, how do you help them work through it?
2: It's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, uh, my mindset, um, something similar with, what JJ Redick mentioned to me is, uh, I always feel like, um, uh, becoming, but have never arrived. Mm -hmm. So even if you've accomplished something that's, that's, um, impressive, you're, you're always, or I feel like I'm always thinking about what's the next thing to, uh, to do or, uh, conquer, so to speak. So you're always becoming never arrived. Well, I think it's a healthy mindset in order to get things done and to, and to have great accomplishments. It is, Healthy to, to take a step back and celebrate. I probably am not the best person to ask about this because I don't think <laughs> I do a very good job. Oh, um, come on now, you got No, <laughs> we've, we've we, you know I, I like to say between our family and my my wife and I. I think we've had some some pretty cool moments. And typically, I feel like now that I'm like really taking a step back, have just take it in stride and keep moving. I mean, I I see on Facebook people posting pictures when someone gets a promotion of all the vacations or the, the new set of golf clubs or whatever Mm -hmm. it is they buy when these things happen. And I've never really done that. I mean, we've had good (laughs) moments and good things happen and we just kind of go on to the next thing. And so I, I I guess I'm all ears for maybe some of your listeners or anyone, if they want, want to shoot me a note on Twitter, I'd love to hear about better ways to institute rituals and habits of, of celebrating your wins. Um, because I guess now as I sit here and think about this, I, I guess, what else, uh, what are you living for if you're not going to celebrate from time to time?
0: It's a very good point. I mean, I mean, we do need to, you know, um, in my culture, on my mom's side of the family, um, which is a Jewish background and, um, the Ukrainian Jew on my mom's side and they, um, you know, we, we would hear story about stones and, in monuments, you know, they would always put up a stone and and it's a marker. It's a memory, and it's something that you always like they spend time revisiting those things and um, and some of that historical stuff. And I can honestly tell you, even though I grew up with that, I'm horrible at celebrating <laughs> victories because I'm always on to the next thing. And it's right. not that it doesn't matter to me, you know, it's and you know, and I guess, I mean, I don't know, this is interesting, right? I mean, do you feel like something's wrong with you because you don't stop and celebrate? Not really. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, don't,
2: I mean, you know what I mean. I guess I, because uh, um, well, I'm just I mean, wondering. I, I, I'm I like, th-
0: man, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm we've wrong. Talked, me. I mean, I've talked about <laughs> this.
2: We, we've talked about it before, but I, I guess it's just um I've I found too. Joey Coleman told me that that one of the things that we need to do better of people that are kind of hard charging and trying to always get things done, or we need to be gentle on ourselves. And I I, I remember when Joey told me that, and I thought he was. um uh, it made a lot of sense at moments you have to be more gentle on yourself to, uh, as a leader, um, especially in good moments to, to applaud, to celebrate. Uh, and also I think a lot of people who are high performers do a good job of celebrating other people. Um, but then they, they also should do a better job of celebrating for themselves.
0: Huh. That's really good. Really good. Hey, let me ask you this. I mean, our show is Uphill Conversations. And one of the things that, you know, it's worked with our audience and um, we're always, you know, advancing it and improving upon it. But, you know, your current condition doesn't match your emerging future. And so, um, and I learned this from my mentor. I've been involved with John Maxwell since 1992. And he was the first strong leadership coach that I ever met. And Um, and, you know, ever since then, it's just, you know, of course I have other influences in my life, but he's just been the one that's just always been, you know, central to where I am. Um, but, you know, so if your current condition doesn't match your emerging future, then, you know, every, you know, an emerging future is above where you are and, you know, everything worth having is uphill and you can't go uphill with downhill habits. Now, you know, sometimes we get tired. We, you know, it's easy if you're riding a bike and you can't make the hill, it's easy to just jump off the bike or ride it back down to the bottom. So with you, what are, you know, what are disciplines that you have um, to help you, you know, you know, develop momentum, keep momentum, um, improve some, you know, some of your inner circle, people that are there to encourage you while you're on the hill, you know, kind of like a team on the Tour de France, you know, just you're, you're climbing that hill, you know, it's a team. It's, you know, even though there's a guy that gets the yellow jersey, but it's a team, they work together, you know, so for you, what are some, what are some great, you um, you know, disciplines or even, you know, that you feel like are good disciplines for yourself that you've worked with others uh, on your journey toward um, an emerging future as you are defining it and, um, and heading toward it?
2: I think creating and developing good habits, um, So Nate Checkett, CEO of Roan, told me, you know, in order to have a good life, you got to put together a good hour and then put together a good day and put together a good week, put together a good month. And if you put together enough good days, weeks, months and years before, you know, it, you've put together a pretty good life. And so that starts with your day to day rituals and habits and routines. And that starts the second for me, um, I wake up and that's you typically quite early um have have a a set process for every single morning when you wake up to get your day started right so whether that's using a, an app like Headspace for guided meditation stretching moving your body reading writing journaling um some sort of exercise i think all of those things are part of what i do um every morning and it helps get the day started off properly so I'm trying to string together a lot of good days and a lot of good weeks and a lot of good months to string together, put together a lot a, a good life. And uh, I realize that it starts every day, and it starts the the instant I wake up. And I can't throw that time away. Um, uh, I've tried to make those parts of uh, my just normal habits so that it becomes uh, just just what I do. And so I think that's helped. But I've had to learn that from others who have come before me that are of sustained excellence, which is, uh, what I'm trying to do.
1: And, and for me, I think that when you talk about planning your day and being really thoughtful and building in those habits, I know that one question that gets asked a lot to, to women is the whole idea of balance, but I'm, I'm curious for you. I know that, you know, you have a wife and is it five children? Is that right? That's right. So you have Mm -hmm. a wife and five children. You have a full-time job. You have this podcast and obviously you can tell that you put a lot of work and preparation into the things that you do on the learning leader show. And, and just adding to that, the, the recognition that whenever you say yes to one thing, that means you're going to have to say no to something else. So, mm-hmm. how do you approach um, the whole issue of balance, and how do you, you know, self-check and evaluate as you're as you're going through the going through this journey um, and continuing to grow these different um, different areas that you're invested in?
2: We probably aren't. Balanced that well. Um, <laughs> well, I mean No, I so, love it. It's just yeah, I love really? it. You're honest. Yeah. That's good. That's my, real. <laughs> so my wife is um a full time business development professional and absolutely crushes it. And so she's really good and loves what she does. Um, you know, you mentioned the stuff that I do, and um I think though it is on us to show our girls that one, we have passion behind what we do and that their parents work. Um, I think that can, they're going to they're gonna pay attention to what we do far more than what we say. So yes, there are times on a Saturday when I'm recording podcasts or writing show notes or put, putting together a sponsor read or doing all that type of work Um, but they sometimes will sit here with me and and listen, or they'll, they'll see it. Uh, is that balanced? I mean, some people would say it's not, they should say I should be doing something else with them. But do we also try to go to the park and do all those things? Yeah, we, we, we try our best. Uh, it's not perfect every day, but it's more important for me that they grow up and not, not have a sense of entitlement. They grow up and see that we work. And in order to make these great things happen, they come to some of my speeches and see all these people, or they see the checks that gets deposited in the bank account after the speech. They realize, they say, wow, you got that much money for giving a one hour talk. And I would say, no, I got that, <laughs> much money because, that much money because I prepared for three and a half years to give that speech. <laughs> Yeah. And that's where it came from. So I think it's 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 showing them that we do work and are we properly balanced perfectly? no. Uh, not, but I, I do think it's our responsibility to get them prepared. Um, and, and also it's, it's on us as a whole separate topic on, on showing them that's the love that we have for each other. They need to see that. And, and we, 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 I think we do a good job of showing that, but it, but it's a matter of, uh, I want them first to uh, feel that we hold each other accountable. Uh, we love each other. We love each other and we work. And, and that is what we hope is that they're going to see and that they're going to emulate.
1: And I, I think that that's great. I um I have two little girls. Um, one is two and a half, and the other will be five in just a few days. And um, just that whole idea of showing showing those girls what it means to work hard. And Letting them see you work, I think, is is a great thing for a parent to be able to do to instill that work ethic in them so that when you do spend that time with them and that focus time with them, they appreciate also what you're not doing and know how important and valuable your time is. And um, one thing that I actually heard Cheryl Sandberg say, we were at a, a GroCo conference in New Orleans is, you know, and this is a girl, this is a little girl thing. She said, you know, if you, if you have a little girl, don't tell her, you know, that she's bossy, say, you know, she has executive leadership potential. And, and I just love that. And I think that we are going to grow um, our daughters to be really great phenomenal women and strong women um by letting them see what it means to to work hard. So I appreciate that. And and I also just really enjoy the the honesty of your answer.
2: Yeah, well, I uh, uh thank you. Um I'm with you when it comes to leadership. You know, Warren Buffett's talked a lot about that as well that um America has done a poor job of tapping into the smartest, most creative people. Um in our country. And that's, uh, uh, our women and, and I agree completely. And there's no reason that our girls can't grow up thinking, um, that exact same thing. And that's why I like if they, they see their mom getting up and doing that every day and, and leading and, and, uh, being up in front of people and making things happen. I mean, that's, that's leadership by example for your kids. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent in with you on that. Well, I have
0: one little girl. <laughs> I have two boys, uh, 17, 15, and our daughter will be eight. And um, and man, and her brothers are really good encouraging her as well. But man, it's just, it's so powerful. You have five girls, right? They're five. Mm -hmm. I mean, whoa, (laughs) Mm -hmm. man. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man, look, (laughs) just, I know what my one little girl, I mean, I know what my boys do to my heart. Just, oh my gosh. Anyways, I applaud you. (laughs) I just applaud you, man. You get some serious points from me, but Hey, um, I, I want to ask you, um, because once again, back to uphill conversations that you know, I believe it's a challenge going uphill, you know, it takes work and, um, what's an uphill challenge that you've had Ryan, uh, recently, maybe something you haven't even shared with anyone yet that, um, you had to overcome and what'd you do to overcome that challenge?
2: Um, I, I probably have a better one that's not recent, but I can talk, talk about, um, some of the things that I have to go through. I mean, I told you I played football, um, coming out of high school, I went to miami university here in ohio um in the mac and uh i played quarterback but uh happened to be in the same recruiting class as ben roethlisberger same position same Mm -hmm. class and so uh i i I did uh, whatever i could i thought at the time i moved to oxford the day after my high school graduation the only freshman to move in early to work out the team to learn everybody's names to build camaraderie to try to lead from the from day one and I worked out, did everything I could, and we battled for two solid years um, uh, at Miami. And, and obviously, if anyone who pays attention to football listening, they know that Ben went on to win that job and then ultimately yeah. go be a first-round pick and win a couple Super Bowls for the Steelers, and he's still going. And so what I learned, though, at an early age, if you talk about an uphill battle or an uphill climb, um, is the fact that sometimes you can do uh, pretty much everything within your power, um, and it still won't be enough. And that's the way it goes. That doesn't mean you quit or it doesn't mean that you think the world is unfair. It means that you have to handle that, that those adverse situations, uh, respond with working even harder and find a way to still accomplish your goals. And so, um, for for me, I was able to do that, um, I wanted to be a starting quarterback in college. It was not going to happen at Miami University based on based on just on how good Ben was. And so I had to transfer to a different school but was able to uh, finish my career at Ohio University and still be elected captain and start for a few years, and it set me up to play after college. So I think that was my response. I didn't want to leave my friends. I didn't want to leave that school. I loved everything about it, And um, but – it was needed to be done in order to handle that adversity, that obstacle, so to speak, and and that's uh, ultimately what happened. It was a great learning moment early in my formative years that um, life's tough at times, but you gotta you gotta you gotta dig in and find uh, creative solutions to those problems.
0: Well, I just want to say thank you for not quitting, man, because so many people, they would look at that as, you know, they shut down as soon as they run into the obstacle. And, you know, um, uh, there's a gentleman that I heard years ago say this. He said, adversity, you know, um, reveals who you truly are, not who you say you are. And so um, Mm -hmm. everything you're saying is just evidence to that.
1: So. So, uh, Ryan, um, before we let you go, uh, we really like to ask our guests, um, one final question. So we would just love to know what are three things over the next 12 months and they can be personal or professional that you are optimistic about.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> just three, three things that I'm optimistic about, yeah. uh, personally for me, I assume that's what you mean.
0: Sure. Or yep. professional, uh, either one, you can do it any way you want to go
2: uh i'm optimistic about writing more um uh, i'd say that i'm optimistic about um meeting even uh, more interesting people along this this journey of 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 podcasting and and to see the other doors that are opened um from that and i'm optimistic about the response that that uh comes from people who who listen and are positively impacted by it so I guess those are three things just off the cuff that I'm, that I'm thinking of, but I, I, I do have one question for you guys before we go, if, if you guys are cool with that. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> so what, what, what would you say through, through doing this work where you're speaking with leaders from all over and trying to understand some of the obstacles they've dealt with and the adversity they've had to go through in tough moments, what, what would you say are some of the common themes amongst the people who seem to sustain excellence?
0: That's a very, very good That's question. Good question. Um, that sustain excellence, I would say common themes. Um, I would tell you this that um, access to opportunity is very important. That's something that I noticed that um, people that are the ones that really give true access, meaning they really empower people uh, to self-actualize especially for a younger workforce that's mm-hmm. out there, I think giving them true access to, oppor- to opportunities and to you know even fail forward. I noticed that that is a big one. Um, this is kind of similar, similarly related um, and actually is in a um, recently I discovered a, a, an artist that I never heard before and I'm a musician as well. So uh, Sean Rowe has a song and one of the things he said in one of his songs is like I could go through the wall if you give me a door. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the thing is the other part is constructing, being willing to do people development in the sense that you really work with people on the wall that you say that they can go through. So one is the access part, um, to the opportunities, but the other one is actually constructing the way through that they spend time with that almost like the apprentice with a plumber, you know, like, so, you know, back in the day when I grew up, I'll be, I'll be 47, um, this week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember being a kid and my family being immigrants that they, you know, apprenticeship was huge. And so really spending time with people and, and really saying, Hey, this is how you do it. This is what this tool's for these types of things. And I think that's very important. And then I think another one that, um, for me and, and I'm, and Megan, please, you know, when I'm done <laughs> jumping, what do you, what you have to, but for me, another one that I found is, is when people say, you know, They're open to whoever is a leader with the sustained, you know, effectiveness or success is the fact that they actually remain open. They remain transparent and they're willing to operate with within a realm of vulnerability that they will they will be with people to really show the good, the bad and the ugly and they're not protecting all of that information, which puts you at risk. A lot of people are afraid of that. But the ones that I see that are able to see and, you know, see success and even sustain it and even see it accelerate are the ones that are willing to say, you know what, this is not about me trying to look a certain way. This is about me trying to walk with you, be with you. And actually, I improve myself by saying, come closer to me because you have something to add to my life as well. So I don't know if that was clear or not, but. All right. Nice.
1: Yeah. And I, I think another one of the things and, you know, whether this comes from uh, from the leadership pers- perspective or um, as an entrepreneur, but just that element of being willing to take risks and not being afraid of the what ifs. So it's putting yourself out there, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and just being your authentic self. So always bringing your authentic self to the table and also um, just realizing that it's going to be hard work. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days and, your team is going to have good days and bad days. So I think it's so important to recognize the value of hard work, but then also couple that with having empathy um, for others, building solid relationships, and then always making sure that you're remaining humble and how you approach other people. Um, it's it's that respect and just valuing other people for their contributions um, and not just looking at what you can get out of them, but what you can put in to them
2: love it that's awesome that's cool thank you guys for having me on as a guest hey we love it yeah
0: and yeah and what what if you were to say there is like your favorite place because i know you probably have a you know multiple channels
2: because
0: <laughs> you know and um, we can put them in the show notes and we will but if you were to say to our listeners hey connect with me here where would you send them first
2: Uh, Twitter at RyanHawk12.
0: There we go. I like that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just one place. Yeah. Okay. At Twitter. So it's, I uh, mean, you
2: can, if you want to listen, you can search my name uh, in in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, You can do that too. Obviously, or learningleader.com. All my show notes are on learningleader.com and there's some blog posts there too. So I guess not just one place, but if they want like direct, quick interaction, I, you know, I, I have that app. I look at it. That's that's my primary source of news, so um, and learning. So that's a, that's a good spot too.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, and hey, look, we hope that you'll be open to do another interview with us in the future. We've enjoyed this, and we want to get to know you more. Um, we're going to keep up with you and we're going to, we're going to push your stuff out there to our, our listeners and our audience as well. I mean, you're, it's, you're great, man. And it's it's just, we're very inspired by the way you show up, the way you represent, um, and even how you engage. And you've had some very, you've had a unique group of people that you've spoken with, man. And you just, you know, you, you flow, you have a good ebb and flow. And, um, so I just want to let you know, we appreciate that new in this world. We're coming up on one year, man. Yeah. That's our one nice. year anniversary. Congrats. So, Congrats. Thank you.
2: you know, most last seven episodes. So congratulations. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. It's true. It's true. So,
0: it's great. Well, this has been another episode of uphill conversations. We've had a great conversation with Ryan Hawk. Um, and so you'll see in our show notes and you've heard where to best connect. And um, Hey, listen, most importantly, we want you to know that you can be more, do more and have more. Though you figure that out, what the reasons are that you want to be doing have. Um, we just want to help you have some loose ends for you to tie up. Remember your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. And even more importantly, as you will see me, Megan and Ryan on the hill.
2: You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at UphillConversations.co. See you on the hill.